Hey, I'm Andy. I'm Andy. And you're listening to the HMO Podcast. Over 10 years ago, I set myself the challenge of building my own property portfolio. And what began as a short-term investment plan soon became a long-term commitment to change the way young people live together. I've now built several successful businesses, I've raised millions of pounds of investment, and I've managed thousands of tenants. Join me and some very special guests to discover the tips, tricks, and hacks, the ups and the downs, the best practice, and everything else you need to know to start, scale, and systemize your very own HMO portfolio. Now. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the HMO podcast with me, Andy Graham. And today we have got JP back in the hot seat with us again. John, say hello. Hello, everyone. Right. So hopefully by now you've you've had a chance to go back and listen to the first episode that John did with us on the show and you know a bit more about JP and his experience in property and what he's currently doing. And today what we're going to talk about is structure and how you can implement structure into your portfolio or your business. And this is something that JP has really, really hammered home with me over the years in our business. And, and it's still something we talk about on a yeah, weekly, monthly, quarterly basis, isn't it, JC? JP? Almost mm-hmm. everything comes back to putting structure and making sure we've got that structure. So, John, let's talk to our listeners today about structure, the importance of it, and how they can begin to apply the principles that, I suppose, overlay structure to their HMO portfolios or businesses. Cool. Thanks, Andy. Hi, everyone. Yeah, one of the things that I take to speak to Andy, and, and probably I can see his eyes glazing over now because he's, <laughs> he's sick of hearing about it, is is structure in any business, whatever you run. Because the opposite of structure is chaos. And I don't know a single established, well-run business that operates on the principle of chaos. I just don't. So you can't be profitable, you can't be efficient, you can't be productive, you can't have a nice culture. You can't be a good place to work. You can't have employee engagement. You can't have all those types of things if you don't have structure and you just run on, on pure chaos and adrenaline. Um, high turnover of staff is a, is a big one as well. So and then you can sort of look at the layered approach in a business because there's various layers and there's various modules and, and how you run a business on your leadership, your management, your training development, systems and processes. Do you have structure in those? Do you have them written down or is it a bit, well, we do that it, that way because that's the way it's always been done? You know, that's, that's just no excuse, let's be honest. So structure is crucial. It's critical. And it's one of the things that I just try and hammer home with everybody that just look at every aspect of your business and try and implement structure into it. So I remember when I remember when I just got started kind of over a decade ago, buying the first mm-hmm. HMO, that was complete chaos. Mm-hmm. There was no planning. I had very little support. And in many ways, I kind of just threw myself in the deep end, but I was so unaware of so many things several years on when we started working together and things got a bit serious because actually we were working with quite quite big sums of money you know not just sums of money to invest in properties but actually sums of money for capital infrastructure to grow the business and things like that it, it was very clear to us at that time you know shit we really gotta mm. we, we've got to sort stuff out otherwise we're going to just burn through cash and you know this opportunity that we've got is going to disappear very quickly but i suppose a question the first question i've got for you jp about structure is how relevant is it to our listeners who have perhaps you know just their first HMO or second or third in that early stages of, of building their portfolio or business? It's now as important as ever because now you can implement structure in your business so easily and agile. If you wait till you've got a bigger business, it's so difficult to, and then it's the old adage, oh, I haven't got time. I'll do it tomorrow, manana, manana. 
And then before you know it, some compliance or some regulatory issues have happened. Someone's got hurt. The bank's came and done something or you've had an audit or a fire and you didn't have certain processes in place. and It's a nightmare. The most important part to implement structure in your business is right at the very beginning. It's right at the very beginning when you can do something about it and you can make it a habit. So rather than, as I said, six years down the line where it's, you've got to break old habits and break bad habits, why not set new habits right at the very beginning where it's easy to implement? Okay, so let's give this some context. And I'm actually kind of going back in time here and, and putting kind of going back to a point in time. Mm-hmm. Let's say for some of our listeners, they've got their second, third property and it is still very much chaotic. They've still got a you know a full-time or a part-time job, perhaps. They've got young family to look after, they've got global pandemic to deal with, they've got all the usual issues on building sites to deal with problem mm-hmm. builders, their accounts are all over the place. And we, you know, it's nearly December. Where do you start with this? Where would I start today, John, if I'm saying to you, JP, I've just lost control. I don't even know where to start. And I suppose it's that feeling of overwhelm, which mm-hmm. actually is, is something I hear a lot. And I'm sure you do yeah. as well. Where do you start? All the time, all the time, literally everybody who's got those types of issues, those big issues, it, it is overwhelm. So the first thing is, is don't panic. Yeah, easy said than done. You've got to get good at compartmentalizing. So you've got to get good at being quite mentally tough, mentally strong, and breaking down your problems and putting little boxes. And that that problem in box A does not affect box B, doesn't affect box C, doesn't affect box D. Compartmentalize it. Break them down even further. So, right, we've got a bad tenant in. What can I do? Right, well, let's go through the eviction process. What's the eviction process? Well, let's learn about it. Let's hire a professional. Let's recruit a solicitor. Let's see what we can do to evict that bad tenant. All right, well, I've missed a gas safety certificate, so what am I going to do? Well, you can't respectively change anything, but let's get in and let's get it done. Take it off the list and just break down your issues, break down your problems. Look at the reoccurring problems. Look at the bottlenecks in your business. Are there any trends? Are the same mistakes being repeated over and over again? Once is a mistake. Two, right, you're a bit unlucky. Three, there's a trend. What things are reoccurring and, and what can we put in place to make sure they don't happen again? So it's, it's, again, it's looking at the issues, looking at the problems, and without a strategic plan, is it I'm going to do this on Monday, that on Tuesday, that on Wednesday, that on Thursday, and planning out the month, the week, the quarter, of the year, look at what issues are happening first. What is the most serious issues? What is the most telling issues? And what are the things that you need to identify, manage, and correct first so that it doesn't end you up in hot water with the council or with the tenants or some parents of a, a student who's a, who actually is a big barrister, because I, I have heard that before where, do you know who my dad is? You get it all the time. My dad's a solicitor, and it turns out he is. He is a big shot, hot shot solicitor down in London, and the guy I was talking to absolutely bricked it. So just look at the problems, look at the issues, and try and, and reverse engineer it and break it down. I suppose in uh, in our industry as well, you know, it's a huge privilege to provide housing to people. Massive, yeah. You know, the law, I suppose, will come down very, very hard. And actually, what's the word? Ignorance is isn't a sufficient excuse, is it, John? You, you know, we we can't afford to take those sorts of risks. You know, I'll be the first to hold my hands up and say, in you know, in the early days of, of running our business and working together, I was not focused on these very important tasks and we were in yeah we were we were experiencing chaos as a business we were growing very very quickly i was easily distracted or you know certainly preferred to work on the things that i found easy to do and more enjoyable to do so for me for example love the design stuff love all the marketing for the business love being the face of the business and talking to people 
absolutely rubbish with putting structure behind, for example, making sure that the certificates were completely up to date and on top and just assuming that staff were, were doing it. And this is something that you, you really drilled into me. And I think I remember, I think the very first thing, and the, perhaps still one of the most important things that I learned from you about being able to apply this was organizing myself and prioritizing just like that, putting those problems into different boxes and say, right, this is what we've got. Where do we start? What's the order that we're going to attack these problems? And I think there's a book, is it Eat That Frog? And I yeah. suppose the idea is you just got to tackle the big, hairy problems. Or you know, for, for some people that aren't necessarily experiencing as much, as much chaos, it, it's just tackling those big, hairy activities in the business that you know maybe are income generating. But certainly if you're in chaos mm. and you're lacking structure, it's dealing with that stuff, isn't it? So first of all, analyze the issues that are going on in the business and then what? literally box them up get them down on paper yeah it's overwhelming when there's, there's that much stuff thrown at you you can't see the wood for the trees so you need to chop down a few trees so literally box off some problems that you can't deal with today or tomorrow or you're waiting for external expert advice so i'm waiting for a solicitor to get back to me right what's the point in worrying about that i can't deal with it today but i can deal with this problem and then you come up with a mini plan so every single problem break it down and say, right, well, I'm going to do this today, that tomorrow, that the day after, that day. that should sort that problem, move it to one side, move on to the next one, then the next one, then the next one. One of the best bits of advice I got given when I was first starting out my business career was, no matter what business you're in, know the law to the best of your ability. Understand the legislation because ultimately the problems that we have or the main issues will lead us to court in some way, shape or form. So, you know, a tenant not paying the rent, the landlord can take us to court if we haven't served, served sufficient notice or followed processes. Not carried out health and safety checks or compliance checks, great, we'll end up in court. Building something that we didn't have building regs or plan permission for, great, we'll end up in court. All roads lead to the court. So understand the laws and the legislation that stops you going down that path. So, for instance, you know, understand case law, Street versus Mountford, you know, O'Brien versus Robinson, Warren versus Keane, which is the tenant-like manner one. Foxons versus the OFT, which is you know sales fees and all that sort of stuff. Don, is this what you do on a Friday night, mate? <laughs> this is why it took me so long to get a girlfriend. <laughs> but understand, understand the legislation, and then yeah. one, you sleep so soundly at night. But when a, a complaint does come in, unless it's something about something nominal, such as communication or a bit of a customer service issue, you go, "Phew, is that it? Hmm. No one's died, thankfully. It's not our th- fault." You know, the, the, my client isn't liable. It's just a couple of months. This is going to make me sound so geeky. There was, I think it was back in the last year. I just wanted to, everyone sprouting about the fact that there's 100 laws in, in this industry and there's 120 here and there's 130. I counted them up. So what in the various legal... You actually counted the laws up? I got to 327, got bored and stopped. So there you go. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. So yeah, it was a bo- that's, you know, but there, there you go. That's why people feel, oh, you can feel overwhelmed just by... Yeah, the question, you know, what do I need to know from a legal point of view about running running HMOs, managing HMOs? Yeah. And you don't need to know them all. You just need to know they exist. Hmm. So you just need to know the salient points of the top 100, 120, which you'll probably know anyway, like the Housing Act and um, various other health and safety legislations and, and planning acts and stuff. Once you know them and you know the basis of them, that's fine. Then you just you can just you know where they are, you know they exist, and then you just go back and reference them. Well, you don't have to have Rain Man encyclopedic knowledge of, of every single law appertaining to your industry. Just know the basics and you won't go wrong. Interestingly, actually, I was on a call today with one of my clients, great guy, and works his professional 
I suppose, role is, is actually in the property industry, although not residential. And just finished a fantastic HMO. First one he's done, got some other assets, got some other interests. And about a week away from finishing the refurb and getting the photos done, and has actually managed to get four of six rooms filled already. And as we're recording this, it's November. So, you know, to have that done and get those tenants in before Christmas mm-hmm. is really, really, really important. And just about to prepare some tenancies and I asked him, look, do you know what you need to do in advance of getting your tenancy prepared? So I'm thinking how to rent guide, making sure the gas cert's issued and things like that. And actually wasn't aware at all. And sometimes I even forget that a lot of people just don't even know that that exists mm-hmm. and then don't quite know where to look. So yeah, absolutely. I suppose the point here is implementing structure and using here, you know, the, your legal responsibilities is just one area of your business. One very, very important area of your business that you can that you can apply this to. Let's continue on this thread then. Let's continue in the scene. Let's say we've we've done the research now and we're we're, we're comfortable and we're happier with what we need to do mm. in terms of legislation. How do we make sure that this gets done every time in the business? What if I forget next week? Or what if I'm about to hire a VA or my first staff member? How do we make sure mm. this this sort of structure and our approach to doing mm. this consistently is maintained? Mm. So this is where your procedures or your SOPs, your standard operating procedures come in. And effectively, that sounds a very corporate way, but it's just a list of rules. So it's it's instructions of how you carry out a certain activity. So how you carry out a viewing, how you carry out um, an inspection, an inventory, what your parameters are for buying properties as well, have strict parameters. So I won't go over this parameter, I won't offer this much, or I won't buy in this area, or this is the demographic we're, we're aiming for because that's what we know it. And just have those list of rules and those those instructions of how you operate your business. Not only does it keep you on the straight and narrow, but it also keeps external people that you're dealing with, and it definitely keeps your staff on the straight and narrow. Mm. And that's just one part of the systemization process. Because after that, you've got to train the people on how to follow the rules and then audit them. One of the biggest things that doesn't get done in your business, it's the most underrated tool, is auditing your business. Mm. Understanding how it operates, and just checking it. I mean, you think back to uni days or your college days. If you were told... Hang on, the, hang on a minute, because they are very, very hazy hazy memories, John. <laughs> for you, I'm not talking about first year. I'm not talking about freshman year. I'm talking about the other years where you actually had to work. When we took it seriously. Yeah, when you took it seriously yeah. because you didn't do anything the first year. Yeah. But if you're thinking about it, and if your, your lecturer, tutor, whatever you want to call them, came and said, right, Andy, don't worry about it. We're going to teach you, but there's going to be no way of assessing your knowledge at the end of the year. None. We're not going to give an exam. No assessment, no verbal assessment, nothing. Just turn up and learn it, and we'll trust that you understand it, and we'll trust that you put it into practice. Hmm. Can you hand on heart say you'd have worked hard? I don't think you would. I don't think so. So this is the audit. So an exam, a test, a conversation, that is an audit of your business. So when you're auditing your business to make sure your staff understanding the rules, they're following what they're being trained on, that's going to get people or hold them accountable. And then, then you feed it back the results. So again, it's like you did an exam, the examiner didn't say, right, thanks for that, Andy. And you, are you going to tell us the result? No, I'm not going to tell you. But what the bloody hell was the point of doing the exam? So you've got to feed back the results of the audit and then, you, then you're going to review it because it might be your fault. It could be that the procedures were written in such a way that was unachievable. And that is the whole systemizational process. And you, you don't have to do it on a big business. It works on small businesses, on your HMOs, your property file. So how do you select a tenant? What do you look at? Have you gone through all the compliance, such as the ICR, which is the electrical certificate? Have you done the legal risk assessment? Do you need an EPC? 
because it's like, do I need it? Technically, you don't need an EPC on a HMO, but in order to evict them, you need to provide EP- EPC. I've got no doubt that a lot of people have just heard that, John, and think, what? Don't you think you've seen the HM? Yeah, so there's loads of stuff, isn't there? And I think one other thing that people would be thinking at this point, listening to this, is, okay, but what if I don't have staff? And even listening to you say, yeah, I think, yeah, and it, and it takes time to audit and things like that. But actually, we audit the business, period. We audit the business quarterly. We look at, we audit financials, don't we? We audit mm-hmm. things like, uh, and certainly I do things like certificates. I audit our inquiry ratio to to um, adverts that we have live. I, I audit our viewings to inquiries and look at the conversion there. And in fact, our mm-hmm. conversion of tenancies from viewings and things like that. I'm, you know, I, that's the sort of detail that I look at. Mm-hmm. And actually, mm-hmm. that keeps pushing us forwards. It helps flag flag issues that staff might be having either with you know the part of our management structure or even with the properties. Hopefully, it's not issues with locations that are a bit more difficult to deal with, but I suppose you can apply this idea of audit to to anything. We're not talking about standing there anything. with a clipboard, are we, and, and, a, and a checklist ticking it off, and yeah. it's it's absolutely anything, isn't it? So an audit is not necessarily a score. It could be something has to be done to a certain standard. So in the terms of how many people did you move in this month? Five. Great, you pass your audit, right? That That is easy. You either did it or you didn't. But something can be done to a certain standard as well, so you can audit the cleanliness of your property. You can literally go around and say, right, well, the bins weren't emptied, minus one point. There was dust on the skirting boards, minus one point. There's marks in the wall where the contractors missed it, minus one point. You can come up with a score, and then you can feed back that to the the contractor, the cleaning company, or or whatever. So you can audit any business in any way, shape, or form. But what an audit does is just ensures that standards are maintained. It's a little bit like when you uh, you go to a restaurant and you you walk into the, the, the gents' toilets and there's these toilets are checked every half hour and somebody signs it off, that's an audit. It's just making sure that the toilets are a certain cleanliness standard. So you can do exactly the same in your HMO business. Yeah. So I guess really the point here that we're trying to share with people is that structure is imperative. doesn't matter whether you've got a small business, a medium-sized business, and you're a, ma- mm. a massive business. It's imperative. The best time to start implementing structure is right at the beginning. So as you're, I suppose, even before you've got a HMO on the books, you know, you could apply it to your, the process that you use to source HMOs, manage your relationships mm-hmm. with agents, how you approach the planning of a refurbishment, how you approach the idea of raising private finance. We can apply this to literally anything even before we have a business, can't we? Yeah. You know, it's as important in these early stages as it is, at, you know, at the stage you're at where you have a huge business. And I, I assume you audit and maintain stuff just that you, know, you probably just focus on other things you know maybe you don't have to look as closely on for example the how many viewings and how many inquiries but i suppose you're taking much more of a keen interest in the financial performance and staff management and mm. i suppose audits of regulatory things more on a much higher level aren't you well not necessarily i mean for me personally i, I just look at the PLs. i've got a managing director who looks at all the operational stuff. And then she's got an area manager and the area manager's got various branch managers. Do you manage your executive or or not? Managing director. Yeah, your MD. We communicate all the time, yeah. yeah. But because of we, we share the same values, she understands the business, the mission statement, she knows where mm-hmm. we're going to get to. It's a case of, we, yeah, we have catch-ups. We have regular catch-ups. I speak to her. She's on maternity leave at the moment, but when she was working, I, you know, I speak to Adele every day. 
but I, I let her get on with it. Yeah. And so long as the P&Ls are performing the way they're performing, I'm happy. She can implement strategies and new things and I just let her get on with it because part of the of being a good leader is surrounding yourself with people and letting them get on with the job at hand. It's micromanaging. What are you doing, Adele? Have you implemented that? Why have you not done that? That's just wrong. I'm not going to get the best out of it. I need to learn to employ people, share the same vision and values as yourself. Yes, you've got to make sure in the early days that they um, are performing the way you want them to perform and doing the task you want them to do. But once they've proven themselves to you, you've just got to let them get on with it. I liken everything to either dealing with kids or a pub, right? Pub for, for marketing, for social or digital marketing. But kids is how you manage your staff. So the first thing is is letting them get on with it. So you've got a little two-year-old kid or three-year-old son, gets on his bike, stabilizes off, he falls off. You don't all of a sudden barge him out the way and say, out the way, son, I'm going to show you how to ride a bike. I'm going to do it and I'll ride your bike. So that's the whole don't micromanage. But the same thing is, is if, if he can demonstrate he can ride his bike, I'm not going to keep on checking him to see if he falls off. So if my managing director can demonstrate she can run the company, I'm not going to keep checking in to see if she's running the company if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So, John, I think this has been a really, really powerful episode. And I guess you could take the idea of structure in lots of different directions. And the idea mm. here isn't to be overwhelmed with that idea itself, mm. but it's just to get started. So to recap, start by getting a list and putting a list of, of the problems that you're experiencing at any time down on paper and start to prioritize and attack them, You know, I suppose, in that mm. order of priority and then begin to... Overlay that with some procedures, some written documents so that you can hold yourself accountable, so that you can hold your staff accountable, and then you can add audit to the process and you can check that those accountability tasks are being met. And then ultimately that you're getting the performance out of the business, out of yourself, out of staff that you need. Thank you so much, JP, for sharing this with us. It's been an incredible episode and I'm sure that has really inspired a lot of people to go away and have a really close think about their, their business and, and what they can do next to start mm. putting and building some structure in. As always, guys, it means so much that you've tuned into the episode with us. If you could spare just 30 seconds to leave a review, we would hugely appreciate it. And if you could tell everybody at the podcast live and that you're tuning in, share it around, we'd really appreciate that too. So thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you in the next episode. Mm.